Hello to you people in the future who are listening to another episode of Voices in My Head. Thank you for joining me today. Over the last few months, I've been honored to bring you great guests like Jason Gray, Sarah Groves, Michael Card, Andrew Peterson, Trip York, and Brian Zahn, just to name a few. It's been my pleasure to bring these podcasts to you, the listener, free of charge. The fact is, though, that there are operating expenses when you do a show like this, so rather than make this a paid podcast, I wanted to give the listeners a chance to help out. The Voices in My Head audience has grown exponentially since I began broadcasting in January of 2012, and there are people who listen from all over the globe. Because of this, and because I want to keep the podcast free, I'm offering you a chance to sponsor an episode of Voices in My Head. Maybe you'd like to dedicate a show to a family member with a message for their birthday, or maybe you'd like to honor a loved one with some sort of special greeting. Perhaps you just want to showcase one of your websites or a business. So to sponsor an episode of Voices in My Head, simply send me an email with your ad to rljames29 at yahoo.com. If I approve your ad, then I'll let you know in a follow-up email. Then simply go to rickleejames.com. Click on the tab that says Tip Jar, Podcast Sponsorship, follow the link to PayPal, and then leave your donation or sponsorship amount. If it sounds like a lot, then just send me an email and I'll talk you through the steps. Thank you again for listening to Voices in My Head, and enjoy today's episode. I honor the Holy One inside you. Namaste. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head. The official podcast of Rick Lee James. I am Rick Lee James, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. If you hear this voice today, do not turn in the window. Welcome back, everybody, to Voices in My Head, episode 23. Last week was a unique for me here on Voices in My Head because we had two episodes, or I guess we actually had technically one and a half episodes. So, you know, Marvel Comics is going with all these point one issues, so I guess we could say that we had episode 22, which was the Theologian Avengers uh, Assemble podcast part two, uh, and then we had uh, episode 22.2 uh, with Gareth Higgins. It was kind of a mini episode and uh, it didn't have a lot of the other stuff that sometimes podcasts have. It wasn't as long, let's put it that way, but uh, it was a special edition that was about the Wild Goose Festival that you can still be a part of uh, if you're listening to this uh, podcast. If you, uh, By the time you listen to this, if you missed the one that's in North Carolina, hey, they're doing another one uh, in Portland in August, so make sure you try to go to that. I'm sitting here today uh, as I'm recording, actually eating some lunch. It's late in the afternoon for lunch. It's like 2.30, but uh, I jogged six miles today, and then I walked another about um, one and three-quarter miles after that, feeling good about myself. I've gone vegetarian now, uh, so I'm eating vegetarian pasta. I just cut the grass, uh, got out of the shower, came down here straight to podcast. It's been a busy day and a busy week. We've got some big news coming up. Hmm. Hang on, I just need to mm, take a bite of that. You know, it's amazing how much um, vegetarian stuff tastes like uh, non-vegetarian stuff. And Jim Gaffigan had a point one time that for people who don't eat meat, it seems like vegetarians spend a lot of time, you know, turning things that aren't meat to make it look like it's something that is meat. So I'm eating pasta today, completely vegetarian, 
and uh, even the ground beef I have is fake. It's made out of vegetables and, and probably soy and some things like that, some protein. And uh, it actually looks a whole lot like ground beef and tastes a whole lot like ground beef, and yet without any of the bad things in it for you. So um, maybe I'll talk more about that in the future, but who wants to hear about that? But hey, I got thinking today while I was on the treadmill, you know, I'm listening to a podcast right now, which I was. I listen to podcasts almost every day when I jog. Uh, a lot more than music even, and I thought, boy, I wonder if there's other people. I wonder if anybody's listening to this while they're jogging. Um, or anybody listen to this while you're working out, um, write me uh, something about it. Send me an email at rljames29 at yahoo.com. Tell me about your experience. What can I do to make your jogging or working out experience more fruitful? Uh, you want me to spot for you? I'll sit at your feet. You can lay the podcast down there and, um, you know, lay the podcast on your feet. I don't know how to do it while you're, you know, while you're doing push-ups or uh, set me on the, the barbell and and I'll spot for you somehow. I, I won't guarantee it'll actually work, but I'm, I'm there for you in that workout. Keep going. Do it. Um, got some great, great things coming up here. Going to make some, uh, some big announcements in the next few days. Not going to do it today, but I'm just telling you, you need to listen because there's some big stuff coming up. Last week, as I said, Gareth Higgins as well as Matthew Cole uh, two episodes of the podcast. If you missed one of those, you'll want to go back and get it. Um, next week is a special Father's Day edition, and my father, Randy James, is going to be on the show because he wrote a book about Revelation, and it's actually a devotional book, and you can uh, read it day by day, get through the entire book of Revelation. It's from an amillennialist view. If you don't know what an amillennialist is, You'll know next week once you listen to the podcast, and uh, we had a great time recording that. I have uh, David Myers, who is a psychologist at Hope University in Michigan. Uh, he's written several, several great books. We're going to be talking um, about his book on what God has joined together, uh, which is interesting. I, I just want to listen uh, to him, and I, I want to have him give us his perspective because it's one you don't hear very often. Um, he is a the the book he wrote one of many books he's written. Um, it's in support of marriage and family, but this one actually has a unique view. He's a Christian, he's straight, but he's advocating a case for gay for Christian gay marriage. And uh, so I just want to listen to what he has to say. And uh, and you know we're all about uh, differing viewpoints, and so that's going to be coming up. You'll want to listen to that because I don't think I've ever had a guest. With that viewpoint, maybe um, on the show, at least we haven't talked about it before. And I want to discuss with him about, you know, what, what he thinks about things. Let's talk about what the Bible says. Let's talk about what uh, Christianity really is about. Are there things that um, that we're missing? Are there, there ways that we need to be more open in dialogue? So that's some stuff that's coming up. Also, Cindy Wilt Colville is going to be a guest here in just a couple weeks as well. I've asked those of you who are songwriters to send in your songs, and I've been starting to get them, actually, at rljames29 at yahoo.com is where you can send them. I need an MP3, not a WAV file, and also need a lyric sheet. So if you could send those things, you got just a few more days to do that. 
Um, but she's I'm going to be recording with her next week, although she's going to be on in a couple of weeks. So uh, you'll want to make sure and send that in. She's going to critique songs on the air for you. Uh, she's a 25-year veteran of the Christian music business, and uh, she's been a music publisher with two of Christian music's largest publishing companies, Benson and Word Music Publishing. Uh, and she was vice president at Word. She signed people like Cindy Morgan, uh, Matthew West, Jason Ingram, uh, and many, many others. So she's going to have some really neat perspectives for the songwriters that are on the show and uh, so send those songs in uh, we she has been kind enough to do some critiquing on air and I think it's going to be beneficial for everybody uh, and plus many other great things to come I'm, I'm excited about some conversations that we're going to be having here on the show I'm excited about uh, diversity in God's kingdom and how we can all be about so many different things um, and God seems to lay different passions upon each of our hearts, but ultimately the goal is the kingdom of God. And my guest today is David Black, who is a pastor here in Springfield, Ohio, and he has some really great, interesting things to say about um, working with the church here in the inner city. He's a, a new start, a church planter, and his church has just taken off. I talked about him a couple weeks ago, and I'm excited for you to hear what Dave has to say today. Before we do that, we have to go to that favorite segment of the show that some of you, well, at least Matthew Cole, um, would be very disappointed if we didn't get to the question of the week. Question of the week. Question of the week for this week. You can actually do question of the week every week on Facebook at the Voices in My Head, the Rick Lee James podcast page. And if you go to the question of the week for this episode, the question is, since the Hasbro game Battleship was turned into a movie, which board game would you like to see turned into a movie next? Candyland, Operation, Twister, and the Tornado movie does not count. Life or Shoots and Ladders, and those are other Hasbro games because, you know, to me it's like ludicrous that they would turn a movie, you know, make a movie out of a game like Battleship. Where's the movie there? But uh, anyway, we'll see. Uh, well, <clears throat> Tony James, my sister, and uh, she got on to me for imitating her before, and I'd like to do it again, but I'm just too tired from uh, jogging and mowing the grass and eating my vegetarian food. I'm so weak, so I'm not going to do that right now. But Shoots and Ladders, she says. She would like to see that turned into a movie because she loved that game as a kid. She's not sure how they could make a movie out of it, but somehow I think it could be quite a funny comedy. Slapstick, perhaps. Well, perhaps. Um, shoots and Ladders. Man, what would you do with a movie? Of course, I think it's ludicrous that they made one out of Battleship, but um, Shoots and Ladders. I I don't know. I guess you could just have a bunch of people falling down holes and tripping on ladders. I don't know. seems like a boring premise, but all of these seem boring. I think that that's playing out in the box office right now, too. Matthew Cole, last week's guest on the show, he wrote in and said, Well, personally, I would like to see... Scattergories made into a movie, but of the choices above, I'm going with life because when I try to imagine the others as movies, I keep coming up with B-rated slasher flicks, and life is just a story of who gets the pink car, the blue car, and the spin at a college education. All of which seem to be about as appealing as Battleship without the special effects scenes. <laughs> so, thanks Matt. The game of life. Hey, we're in the game of life. Corey Buttry, uh, love Corey. Uh, you spin the spinner and call the spot, 
Twister will tie you up in a knot. And, uh, of course, any of you who are Weird Al fans know that uh, that's a reference to Weird Al's Twister song. It was a rap. Maybe I should try to play that on the show one of these days. But And Heather Fountain Moore, good to hear from you. Heather, thanks for writing in this week. I, I think this is maybe the first time you've answered. And Corey, I'm pretty sure this is your first time, too. So welcome to the podcast uh, and welcome to the answers. But Heather... Uh, Fountain Moore said, Candyland, what's not to love? I'd also love to see how one could capture perfection or don't break the ice. Dave and I talk about this a little bit more. I think that, uh, I, I think I'd probably like to see Candyland turned into a movie, and I won't give you Dave's answer. He had a pretty funny, uh, comeback about, um, turning Candyland into a movie. But, I don't know, I, I maybe it was already made into a movie. We've had movies about candy before, but can you think of anything better as a kid than Candyland? I mean, I, I don't even know if there would have to be a plot, and maybe they could make it some sort of interactive movie. It could be like 3D, and you know, back in a long time ago, they used to have something, I think it was called Smell-O-Vision, and it was not only like 3D movies, but you could actually smell the things that were going on. Well, maybe they could have like a Candyland movie, and it could be in 3D, and then like they could just hand you candy the entire movie. And it would be like a dentist's dream because he'd be having all this business. Well, anyway, thanks for answering the question of the week this week. As always, you can go to the Voices in My Head, the Rick Lee James podcast Facebook page, and I will have a new question up every week. Unless I forget, which I think I've only missed one uh, in all the weeks that I've been doing it. So question of the week for next week, just so you'll be prepared to think about it. Um, the question of the week for next week is, who would you rather have as your TV father? And and the, the reason for this question, it's a Father's Day episode next week. And not that we're saying you had a bad father, it's just the question of, of if your father was going to be a father that was on TV. Which one would you choose, I guess, is how I want to word that question. And the choices are Charles Ingalls, who was played by Michael Landon on Little House on the Prairie, Cliff Huxtable, who was uh, the character Bill Cosby played on The Cosby Show, John Walton, who was played by Ralph West on the television show The Waltons, and going back even a little further in time, Andy Griffith, or actually Andy Taylor, who... who was played by Andy Griffith on the Andy Griffith Show. Uh, tell me what you think. That's going to be the question for next week when we have our special Father's Day episode. Well, we have a great conversation with Dave today, and I don't want to take up any more of his time because he has some very good stuff for us. And uh, if you're a pastor, especially, you're going to enjoy this show. If you're not a pastor, still lots of reason for you to stay and hang around and listen because there's great things just about being in service to the kingdom of God. I, I want to thank Dave for being a part of the show, and he actually came to my basement, and we recorded this conversation a couple weeks ago. So here's my friend, Pastor Dave Black. My guest today on Voices in My Head is the lead pastor of Soma Community Church in Springfield, Ohio, which is where I live, and I'm very excited to have Pastor Dave Black on the show today. So Dave, thank you for being here today on Voices in My Head. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. Um, we're going to ask a, a few different things about ministering specifically in this city later on, but first we have to get the important thing out of the way, which uh, listeners every week... They they just clamor for the question of the week for whatever reason. And so this week, the question of the week, 
Um, I know that we're in summertime now, and it's been a big summer of movies. Dave and I were actually just talking a few minutes ago about um, the Avengers movie, and I know that if if you've been following the podcast, the previous two weeks we had the Avengers Theologians Assemble podcast, and we talked about some things to do with the Avengers movie. But there's also, as with every summer, huge blockbusters, maybe. They're supposed to be blockbusters. Supposedly. Supposedly. Um, And one that I just am scratching my head over is Battleship, that they've taken a Hasbro game and decided um, this is going to make a great summer movie. (laughs) So we might call it Transformers 4. I'm not sure. It looks something like that. So my question of the week for you this week is, um, which board game would you rather see uh, made into a movie next? Uh Candyland? Operation, Twister, or Shoots and Ladders? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and if you need the list again. Candyland would definitely have Johnny Depp in it. It would. Um, <laughs> That's so my thought exactly. To avoid that, I probably wouldn't go in that direction. <laughs> um, and Tim Burton would definitely direct it, and it would be it would be the darkest Candyland you ever saw. Operation would be too intense. Um <laughs> don't know. Uh, probably, I'm going to go with... Oh, did I mention Life? No, you didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I, oh. I missed one. It's actually Candyland, Operation, Twister, Life, or Shoots and Ladders. Life would be a huge movie to shoot. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it could actually be probably some uh, satire against mm-hmm. you know American society as it is. Because mm-hmm. I, I think of the Life Board game and you have the car and... Mm-hmm the job and everything else that's supposed to be there and you win uh, the beauty pageant exactly yeah uh, especially with the economic status of our country it might be a little bit tongue-in-cheek you know i might say that it'd be good i'd like to see a director try to sum up life in uh kind of put it against what's going on i'd just like to see what they would come up with if you had a twister the movie like but twister they did already have a movie it just wasn't the board game so it was called food Footloose, right? No, no. I no, no I'm thinking about. the actual yeah. tornado movie, the Twister. Yeah. <laughs> Footloose, they did remake that one, didn't yeah. they? Shoots um, and Ladders, I have no idea. A lot of these could be just psychedelic trips. You never know. The first but. thing I think about Shoots and Ladders is, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but when they pop those things out of the airplane and you go down them on mm-hmm. like for emergency exit, yeah. I, it's the first thing that popped in my head. It's shoots and ladders. Shoots and ladders. It could be fire trucks and uh, airplane. The summer know. blockbuster shoots, shoots and ladders, ladders where they're... You're swaying me. I might go <laughs> that direction. I mean... Well, if they can turn Battleship into like some huge alien movie... With enough I don't... computer graphics. I know. It those are be... some pretty intense shoots. <laughs> Two hours. The summer blockbuster movie shoots and ladders. You decide. Can the people on this plane make it outside onto the slide? <laughs> so. We only have time to choose one exit. Will it be the shoot... <laughs> Well, you take the ladder. Very good. Yeah. That's right. And Operation would just be a mess. I just don't think I'd want to see that movie. It'd be, People would be passing out. They'd be pulling rubber bands out of him and little wishbones and everything else. So, Well, great. We got the important question out of the way. So now we're going to move into lesser things that have to do with ministry. Um, yeah. yeah, way opposite of that. Yeah. So, Well, Dave is the, the pastor of Soma Community Church here in Springfield. And uh, I guess we would classify Soma as kind of a uh, maybe a new start oh, church. Yeah. I, I um, still, yeah. And how long ago? Because maybe in the last five years was yeah. when you oh, planted yeah. that. You could tell us the date specifically, but I, I you know I don't know if I could uh, because mm-hmm. it's one of those things where um, 
it's like depending on what you consider a start. Mm-hmm. So for us, uh, you know, it could be a start with four people praying in uh, Umundo Cafe. That's kind of where right. it started there and uh, kind of birthed out of that. So uh, we typically say about three and a half to four years, mm. four years in the fall, most likely. Okay. And let me say this, too, because uh, part of the reason that you're here today and listeners a few weeks ago, I told you on the podcast the story of how my microwave set on fire. And I went to Target and I actually mentioned Dave uh, because I ran into him in Target when I was buying yeah. a new microwave. And I just happened to, to to ask him, you know, how things were going at the church. And we'll get into this a little bit. Um, but I told you just encouraged me because I, you know, they kind of outgrown their facility and are moving on to new places. And so I felt like it was a God moment. And, uh, and then as I just, you know, told you about, you know, you, I mentioned you on the podcast and you said, hell, hey, if you ever want to, you know, discuss some things about ministry. And I was like, that's great. Let's get you on the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, it actually worked out. So, um, next time you set your microwave on fire, um, it could be a God moment that yeah. he's using you to do something. So, um, so anyway, let's get back into Soma a little bit uh, by way of, of who you are, first of all, sure. because people want to know about that. Tell us maybe a little bit about uh, your family and, and maybe where you went to school and what led you to be a part of uh, Soma community as a new start. Yeah, um, my wife and I are both from Atlanta. Um, I grew up was born down there and she was as well. Um, I grew up there and then uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for school. And a buddy of mine, uh, best friend in high school, his older brother was going to a college in the middle of a cornfield called Cedarville University. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I went there and I thought, you know, it it looks like a pretty nice campus. It was probably one of the most flippant decisions I ever made about my future, but it Mm -hmm. definitely had a lot to do with where I was headed. So that's kind of how I wound up in Ohio Um, I went to Cedarville for communications, uh, again, because it's one of those things, don't know what I want to do, really broad, uh, so I figured I'll keep my options open, and I knew perhaps that it would be ministry in some way, I'd done uh, some overseas missions and then just been involved uh, pretty heavily in a church growing up. Um, I got out of school, I got some random sales job in Centerville, and then ended up back in Atlanta uh, going to seminary, it's Luther Rice Seminary which the majority of their students are uh, returning or continuing education. So the demographic of the student body is different there. Um, They're actually probably, I'd say, about 35% um, minority students. And so I really enjoyed the classroom atmosphere because that's uh, just an opportunity to to kind of rub shoulders with people from different church backgrounds and different church culture. And uh, A lot of our discussions were lent uh, toward just some areas that I've never really discussed before. Hmm. And um, so I enjoyed it. Um, Typically I was the youngest in some of my classes too. And so um, getting uh, a little bit of wisdom and um, other stuff from people who were in ministry uh, was good for me as well. Met my wife there. Um, I ended up coming up to uh, Springfield through Ted Rassetter. Mm -hmm. He was at a church doing a college ministry and college ministry seemed like a safe and unassuming place to make a ton of mistakes mm-hmm. where people would just, you know, kind of be <laughs> gracious. And it was, and mm-hmm. I did. And um, out of that, <laughs> I saw a lot of college students who um, were jumping out of college ministry, but then just kind of hanging around. And we're saying, you need to get plugged into a local church. Um, and then them saying, you know, I really enjoyed what I was experiencing in college, but I don't see that happening 
uh, in, in Springfield and then us saying, well, then why not? And where's the disconnect? And um, a lot of that just led to our heart for Springfield. God's put us here. Um, we actually started looking at Beaver Creek. Uh, you mm-hmm. can cut this down and edit it. I'm no, it's fine. Along, no, it's a good story. We started looking at Beaver Creek and God really in a matter of uh, probably two or three days uh, specifically I really felt like spoke to myself and then uh, Ted and Andrea Rassetter and then my wife all in the same time period. And uh, I specifically remember meeting at the Old Mundo Cafe. Um, we were talking about uh, anything else that we had to cover and, and Ted said, well, was there anything else? And this whole time we're looking at Beaver Creek, planning for Beaver Creek. And I said, you know, and, I, and here's this guy who's lived in Springfield his whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I feel like I'm about to drop a bomb and be like, hey, let's let's stay in Springfield. Yeah. Um, because if you don't know, if you're not from here, uh, at that time, Beaver Creek uh, had a, a mall that was doing a little bit better than our mall, mm-hmm. and um, it just seemed to work. Still is. Still is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm being gracious here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Wright State's there, which is a, a, a student body of, um, I don't know how many, I'd probably get the number wrong. UD's down there, and I know they have about 10,000 students. And so look, it was growing. And so for us, we wanted to go where it was kind of growing. And, and I said, uh, you know, I really feel like God is saying Springfield and he started crying because he had said you know I, I kind of been feeling the same way too and hmm. um, also just because he's a big baby that too cries. he's really yeah. emotional he's a worship leader <laughs> Rick, and so I know you know we just cry all yeah, the time the, it's yeah. just, <laughs> I still waters I, deep. right now as a matter of fact yeah. I can't stop no, that's <laughs> so he and then my wife and so it's just one of those really good uh, things that you look back when times are tough and you're like okay no god definitely spoke to us yeah. at some point in time so no and and i should say by the way ted's a friend and uh ted is a, a neat guy we actually have done some co-writing together and uh ted is a, a great worship leader and he leads uh i guess weekly at, at your church so and yeah, yeah. And, and helped you uh, and i remember actually ted rastatter as a, a real talented musician nice guy and great minister and and really he was at uh, Fellowship Christian Church at the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty big church here in Springfield. Mm-hmm. So for Ted to even um, hear the call with you to say, hey, we're going to step out of what's comfortable and yeah. you know, a, a worship pastor at a big church to basically step into somewhere that's nothing at this point, you know, yeah. that God's going to have to speak something into the, the void, so to speak, to bring something new out of where there isn't something right now at this point. So that's that's a neat part of the story as well. Um, well, uh, in case you don't know, and, and listeners, um, and I didn't mean to interrupt your, no, your story, we're, we're going to get into uh, some more about what's going on there. But the reason I'm wanting to talk to Dave specifically about his time uh, at SOMA working here in, in the Springfield community is I think it's important for ministers to exegete their city. If you don't know... Um, what that word exegete means it's a it's a big theologian term for interpret and uh, kind of how to look at your uh, city where you are we usually talk about exegeting scripture passages because we want to get behind the scripture and, and find out what it's really saying to us and and you know it involves a lot of study and and interpretation and going back and seeing what people had meant and the context they were in so if you look at that and apply that to your city in your current ministry context even if you don't know where Springfield, Ohio is, where we are talking about today, um, some of the things that we're talking about, hopefully you can apply to where you live. Now, one thing specifically, and 
in in exegeting the city, so to speak. Um, I forget what poll was done, but Springfield, Ohio, where we live, um, actually in whatever poll did this, uh, came out to say that Springfield is the saddest city in America. Yeah, most depressed, right? M- most, yeah. yeah, most depressed, and like we're number one, yay! <laughs> and uh, which is interesting because you know I don't feel like I'm particularly sad or have no. a bunch of sad friends, but it is uh, telling of of where the city is, and yeah. I think some of that's going to come up in our conversation. So first off. Just know that about us and where we're currently ministering here in the city. And by the way, I'm not a part of Soma community. I've worshipped with them before, but I actually go to First Church of the Nazarene here in town. But we're part of the same city, so um, it's part of the same uh, mindset you have to kind of be in in order to minister where you are. So let me ask you a question, and Dave was nice enough to actually send over a few talking points, which is always helpful. I wish Patted the deck. That's right. He patted the deck a little bit, and, and uh, we're going to talk some about this. But um, church and culture uh, is something yeah. we wanted to talk about a little bit today, and specifically subversive ministry versus overt ministry. Maybe explain to us what you mean by that. Yeah, you know, that idea isn't mine. Um, again, there's no, I think, new idea under the sun. But uh, that comes out of uh, reading a lot of Eugene Peterson. Um, he's the guy who, uh, tra- not translated, but paraphrased Greek New Testament writings into what we call the message, mm-hmm. and uh, which is a great read if you ever just want to get a big idea of a chapter you know it's helped me a lot in that but I was reading uh, he has a book called The Pastor on which he reflects into ministry and uh, he uses the term uh, subversion that a pastor uh, needs to be subversive and what he means is that if the people at a church or in a city knew what that pastor's job really was they wouldn't pay him to do it and so he says that his job speaking for himself is to really tear down uh, some false idols that people worship, including his own, and um, and really get to the heart of the city and the heart of the people and direct it away from false things to the one true God, um, away from uh, you know consumerism, materialism, uh, individualism, back into uh, more of uh, a kingdom of God mindset. And people fight for things that they worship. Mm-hmm. If they're the wrong things, I mean, you look at Paul when he's in Ephesus, he uh, opposes uh, some uh, people who are doing, uh, they're selling idols, but it's their craft, that's what they do, and uh, they get mad and they start rioting in the city because Paul's attacking their income, he's attacking their, their way of life, and so um, people don't naturally let you in, and so uh, a lot of times I feel, and this is just pastoral, and then I'll kind of break it out to church, pastorally, uh, sometimes it, it just it can be, hey, we want you to uh, be at our wedding, be at our funeral, which is 100% a job of a pastor. I'm not degrading that by any means. I mean, that is uh, a huge call. Um, but it's not just about running a service or um, filling in a religious service because uh, we're no longer in that model of a priest and uh, like a, a laity, I would say it's more... You know, the priesthood of the believer is a huge tenet of ours. Um, So if people really knew what the goal of God was uh, for their ministry or their minister in their life, I'm not sure they'd pay them or let them in. So as a church, we kind of adopted that and said, you know, in our city, um, 
if we really are talking about what we really want to see happen, and, and that is people turn away from idolatry, uh, from idol, uh, idolatry, turn away from idols, come to worship the one true and living God, uh, you, you knock on a door and say, hey, um, we'd like to do that in your school, we'd like to do that in your corporation, we'd like to do that uh, in City Hall, and people are kind of like, whoa, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure we're going to let you in. And so what I'm saying, subversive versus overt, is, hey, let's go in, um, and not as an uh, ulti- like ulterior motive, but as an ultimate motive, and say, hey, uh, we want to serve you in what you're doing. We're not here to kind of conquer. Um, I think sometimes it's like, okay, we're a church culture, and, and we need to conquer our secular culture. And right. sometimes, and that's not it at all. Um, William Blake said, uh, the goal of Christianity is to conquer through forgiveness. And I think that kind of captures it a little bit too. So um, I always think of Jesus, um, and he's, he's going and saying, "Hey, I'm here. I'm going to go die." And as he's having that conversation, his disciples are arguing about who's the greatest, mm-hmm. you know. And he looks at him and he's like, "No, no, no, you don't get it. Um, if you you want to be great, you got to serve." And so, how do we enter into a city and just ask and say, "Hey, we're here to serve." Um, and we want to point you to God. We well, and, and I think what you're talking about, too, uh, and I, I've read, I don't know, probably eight books by Eugene Peterson, uh, plus there's the message, which which I would say is actually more than a paraphrase because he's such a master of the biblical languages. Yeah. He's uh, he's kind of paraphrasing from his Greek and Hebrew translations. Right, it's which not makes like he's it, just yeah, coming up with it on so his own. He's, yeah, it's not like he just sat down at NIV and said, hmm, what would this be in English? So it's it's really, he's a brilliant guy. I'm reading his book, The Jesus Way, right now, which is another excellent read. So first off, let me say I recommend anything by Eugene Peterson, uh, especially if you're a pastor. Uh, he'll he'll flip your whole world view around and and in a good way. But um, what we're talking about too, I think um, maybe let me give an example of what I think you're talking about to kind of clarify for listeners of the um, overt versus subversive. Yeah. Overt would be <laughs> almost in a way of hey, let's grab our picket signs and yep. and run out to city hall and say you know you can't take our ten commandments away or something. you know I mean it's almost like a uh, a very overt, almost let's. It can be obnoxious, yeah. you know. You can be very obnoxious with that kind of faith. The extreme of that, in in a way that I would would never advocate. I, I'm not sure I'd ever advocate picket signs anyway. But the extreme of that in is where we see the church where like Fred Phelps is at, where yeah, you Westboro know things Baptist like that, Westboro Baptist, yeah. which is not really a church. It's just his family, but. But still, I mean, they're picketing everywhere saying how much God hates you if you're a homosexual or if you're just anything. It's just uh, – and that's the extreme end we don't want to be on. So the idea of a sub- subversive type ministry then um, is I would think of it as we truly are trying to to meet um, a need and to serve where we are. And even if this person never um, – never accepts Jesus in the way that we are trying and, and hoping that they will eventually, we still say, we love you, and we want to serve and be a part of the help of this conversation. And our job is to show you the gospel. Sure. Um, and one one great thing, if we take it in terms of, of a movie or something, if a movie's done well, uh, it's showing and not just telling. Right. You know, if you're watching a good film, you, you get what's going on. And I think ministry would... In many ways, 
is probably best done in that way of um, obviously there is telling and forthtelling, but there's a lot of showing that has to be done too. And, and we see Jesus showing the gospel a lot, you know, right. as he's living it out in scripture and stuff. You know, I think some people go one or the other. It's like, hey, we're going to tell a lot or we're going to show a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's not an either or or, hey, well, you're either a shower or you're a teller. It's right. do they match? You know, yeah. and I think that's really where it comes down to. When you're talking about picket signs and things like that, it's like, man, whose name is on the line? Really, mm-hmm. it's like when you show up in the public square, you as a church have the option to come and say, "Hey, we want to volunteer and do stuff, and we want to bring our name into it," or or you have the option to come in and say, "Hey, we're going to put our name aside mm-hmm. and come in and and let you guys take the credit for whatever we do." Mm-hmm. Um, that for me is a huge thing. It's mm-hmm. we want to come in. We want to know what is it that you guys need or what is it that our city needs that it doesn't have enough money to pay for that it really wants to do. You just tell us and see how and we'll just get together and see if we can do something about that. Hmm. And we don't want an article and we don't want, you know, recognition. We just want to serve. And because that's I mean, when you talk about somebody who put aside his name, came to earth mm-hmm. uh, to seek the benefit of somebody else. I mean, that's sure. that's the gospel. Exactly. Well, let's talk about the the biblical theology of the city. And, yeah. and as I say, the city, you're going to be talking about Springfield. But let's be thinking again, listeners, in terms of theology of a city. And so you may have to – you can apply this theology to wherever you are, really. But let's let's hear what you have to say about that, the theology. Yeah, of the a lot city. of it, again, is, has been formed by not just me sitting around in a vacuum, but, right. of course, by – uh, some people I've talked about or, or, or read, uh, I've listened to, I've, I've talked with others about it. And one of the fundamental beliefs that we have at SOMA is that God has placed you uh, in a place of ministry uh, almost better, and I'm qualifying it, but I'll say better than uh, where the church could place you. And that's understanding that in our city there's an opportunity for competition of time, an opportunity for competition of um, just areas of service. And so as a church, we don't want to create a, a, something that pulls you out of where God has put you. Hmm. So really uh, approaching the city and saying, all right, God is doing something here in our city at work already. Where has he put you? Um, you are probably better suited to meet your neighbors than we are. Uh, and that's not a, a, a you know something we want to say to kind of get ourselves off the hook, mm-hmm. but rather how can a church resource its members where they're at. Um, so that comes out of this idea that, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, Israel uh, was put in the land to be a light. The Bible, mm-hmm. God refers to his people as, I want you to be a light to the, the nations. I want you to be a testimony of what it looks like uh, when there's a theocracy and God is king. So Jerusalem really was a city. I mean, God believes in cities. Mm-hmm. Um, he creates cities of refuge. Jerusalem is a city. It's there in uh, the promised land for other nations to look at and say, oh, is there a city where God is king? And what would that look like? And what would the rules be? And what would the poor, uh, how would they be cared for? And what would justice look like? And mm-hmm. all of those things God designed and put in there. And, and, and this isn't a dig at Israel because, man, humanity is broken. We all fail. Mm-hmm. Israel didn't really live up to that right. in that time period. And so you see uh, Babylon coming in, taking them away into a foreign city. And so in that context, what happens then is uh, 
some people are, are upset. They're like, well, what do we do? We live in a foreign city with values that aren't our values, with people who worship foreign gods, who have strange customs, different cultures, they eat different food, and we worship this God. Um, and is there any hope? And, and that's where that graduation verse, Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. That right. one that we always talk about at graduation. But it was really written to a nation in exile. And, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, seek the welfare of the city mm-hmm. um, that I've put you in. Live there. Um, make a home there. And, and so the question, I think, for us as a church is, well, in our culture today, do we find ourselves uh, in a theocracy? Or do we find ourselves um, in more of an exile, Babylon mm-hmm situation I, I think we're more in an exile situation yeah, and I'd so with you. you have jesus coming along and i think it's awesome because he looks at his disciples and says hey uh, you can't light a lamp and put it under a bu- uh, basket and he says a city on a hill can't be hidden and so for him to say that if they're a good jewish student the city on the hill that first one that comes to mind mm-hmm. is the hill which yeah. is it's like us saying capitol hill like oh i'm gonna go up to the hill right. we, we kind of understand that a little <laughs> bit um the city on the hill for them is Jerusalem. And so he's like saying, hey, there's a city on a hill. And so he's kind of thrown back a little bit to that day of like, hey, there's a city where God is king and people can see that. So we, we need to live in our own lives mm-hmm. as a, uh, a city where God is king, like in right. my family, in my home. But then he turns around and he flips it as well. And he says, hey, uh, you're also the salt of the earth, which is that mm-hmm. exile idea. And salt is uh, a preservative. It's a... It's a cleansing agent. It's a healing agent, and um, so melts I, the ice in Ohio. Really? <laughs> so, looking at a city, you've got a conglomerate of people um, with different values and different cultures, and we really just want to look at it and say, you know, where can we be salt, and and how how do I be light, and yeah. and not um, do it in a way uh, where we feel like, hey, we're trying to set up a theocracy. Excellent. I mean, yeah, that's one day in the future when. God is king. Yeah, the the ultimate when yeah he returns. But that that's a a great way of I think um, anybody should look at their city actually because I I do feel like um, no matter which place in history we are we are kind of in that exile time mm-hmm. you know until the ultimate return and um and, and it's a great way to to look at and I, it's funny that you mentioned because we're just about in graduation season when i know i'm going to see that verse again yeah. and again and again for i know the plans i have for you the plans to give and we've made a mistake of so individualizing that passage and making it about us and when actuality that is a passage that god has for his people you mm-hmm. know and it's not necessarily god saying i have a plan for you and it's to be a doctor and you go it's 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 god saying saying i have kingdom plans for you i know the plans i have for you and it's to do something that's so much bigger than yourself and so much outside of yourself so i think even just hearing that you know that that could switch i think a lot of people's theology just even again talking about exegeting a passage and exegeting your city where it's at so you're saying some good stuff so listeners maybe you should be taking notes at this point as we as we continue talking about this um well we've talked some about downtown springfield and i meant to ask you this earlier but what's the the root behind your the name soma like where does that word come from is there Uh, and um, and you're laughing so i don't know (laughs) yeah no it's like we we have this we feel like man god's given us this call and it's not one of those things where it was like 
God has descended a name from on high. Right. And name, you know, and so then we're like, well, what are we going to call it? And we tried to pick a name, honestly, that wasn't as corporate. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, you hear some corporation names and you're like, what is that? I don't know. But we wanted a name that there really wasn't a lot of necessarily meaning attached to in our culture. Mm-hmm. Just so that we could kind of say, hey, let's 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 create a culture and kind of define mm-hmm. it the way we want it. Um, so we picked Soma because it means body. It's Greek for the word body. And uh, it's short and it fits on letterhead. Um, <laughs> but we really want to we, – we say, hey, for us, our vision is that the church is people. We didn't just want to start a church just to start a church. We wanted to start a church. Because we believe that a lot of people attend church in Springfield, but we want to see people being the church in their homes, their cities, their neighbor, or their city and their neighborhoods, places where they work. And so mm-hmm. we feel like Soma kind of encapsulated that. Um, you can Google it. There's also a giant one on the West Coast that I had no idea about. Oh, wow. And uh, so now we kind of get that, oh, yeah, I've heard about it. And you're like, no, you have not, not heard it. It's totally different. But there's like a bazillion Grace First Baptist Ninth. <laughs> You know, there's yeah. tons of names. So, um, oh yeah, that's us. That's kind of where it came from. <laughs> I mean, it's also a, a drug in uh, Alvis Huxley's novel, A Brave New World, which we did not know about at the time. <laughs> so that's clarity there. Um, so at uh, communion time at Soma, they're actually doing. What we're I'm always like, yeah, mind control. That's what that's we're going for. It's not all. <laughs> so just to clear up any suspicion about that, let's just say it means body, and we're yeah. about the body of Christ. Um, and I know that downtown Springfield is an interesting place because you had said before that uh, you you know maybe were probably most likely birthed out of some prayer times, maybe with Un Mundo Cafe and places. Mm-hmm. And just so listeners will know, Un Mundo has a lot to do with my own. Um, journey here in in Springfield and when I started traveling and just feeling God you know calling me to do something different from where I was just specifically at my church and kind of moving out and doing music um, I came across Un Mundo Cafe which at the time was in a a pretty rundown part of Mm -hmm. Springfield and and intentionally um, yeah very intentionally and the cafe was actually um, uh, birthed to to help bring profit to the spring the children's rescue center here in springfield uh problem was they weren't making a profit <laughs> yeah i mean it's a non-profit <laughs> yeah it's a non-profit thing and so the idea was you know hopefully it was going to be a help for the children's rescue center but i think it's become so much more and something so much more important in our particular city because it kind of has become a gathering place where a lot of people like for instance you guys you know came together hey this is a good spot to meet um, it's not just for Christians, but you're, you're certainly welcome to come and hold a Bible study or do whatever you need to. Um, I started out, you know, doing concerts there in Springfield, just yeah. as kind of a place here in the city to get my name out a little bit at first. And uh, so there's been a lot of neat things that God has used Un Mundo Cafe for specifically. Um, they've moved locations. So we could say maybe the church was kind of birthed out of Un Mundo first, and sure. maybe yeah. I mean, did yeah. you guys actually meet in no, Un Mundo no, a little while? No, we had while, one or? informational meeting there. Oh, just okay. It was kind of like a public place. But yeah, it was, okay. It was just like like you said, it was a place that was centrally located to all of us mm-hmm. in the sense that it's in the center of our daily routine. So even though it wasn't, hey, it's smack dab in the center, which now it's more centrally located yeah, in the city. Is. But then it was on the west side and. Uh, it's more it was just a common meeting place that mm-hmm. we all had and uh and i'm certain that's where i met you the first time I'm was sure. probably uh, at un mundo sure. yeah and and now it is actually 
turning a profit and making money for the Children's Rescue yeah, Center, yeah. but it's continuing to be just kind of a unique place, I think, in our city. I, I, many people would probably think nothing more than it's just a coffee shop, but for a lot of people, it's been very pivotal for ministries and, yeah. and activities and meeting places. can't tell you how many times that I've met with people from various churches and ministries and non-ministries and whatever, you know, around the city right. in that little loon mundo. Well, and it does a very area. good job of keeping uh, diversity kind of central because mm-hmm. there's all types of people from different backgrounds and economic statuses that are mm-hmm. still welcome there and hang out there. So. Right. Well, and you are um, specifically in downtown Springfield. You've been uh, for a while, sharing a building yeah. with, I believe, the Springfield Vineyard Church here. Yep. So here's here's another creative thing when you're thinking about ministry. For too long, we've maybe just thought that your church is a building and the location where it is. Um, how many of us would, would think about, okay, we're going to share everything with another yeah. <laughs> church? It's like entirely. living with a roommate. Right, exactly. That's uh, your church roommate. Yeah. And it's an interesting setting. I have actually... Um, I've confused you guys before because I've actually been to Springfield uh, Vineyard to play concerts before and been in there, and I thought, well, where's Dave at? And then I thought, oh, that's right, this isn't the night when his church meets here, but it's the same room. Uh, So it's really interesting. And uh, being that you're in a downtown location, I'm trying to save time, so I'm going to put this, talking about downtown Springfield, into the next talking point, which is actually about um, working to bring people to a point of uh, being gospel people versus just being good people and, and how you do that where you're specifically located. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole reason Jesus came, right, is uh, to bring the gospel. Um, and I think sometimes we confuse it and say, hey, God came to make you good. Well, he didn't come to make you good. That is a byproduct of the Spirit mm-hmm. of God indwelling you. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, there's a common grace element that is given to everyone who's ever lived that uh, God blesses and pours out his attributes and, and himself on the nations and people. And so, yeah, you don't necessarily have to be a Christian to do what the world would call mm-hmm. good. Um, but you do have to be uh, in relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. to have that connection to God. And um, so for us, it's really a question of how do we present God's word and truth and how do we gather and do everything in such a way that we're not trying to just add more things to people's lives to make them uh, feel like they're becoming more religious or more active. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we think if we're more active, then, man, we're, we're, we're getting closer to God. Right. And the, the truth is um, that it's it's intimacy, not activity, you know, that brings us closer to Christ. So um, in what we're doing in downtown uh, Springfield, we wanted to say, let's strip away everything that we kind of do that tends to be more of an activity and almost to the point of like uh, a fault. It's Mm -hmm. almost to the point where we we initially we started off and said, hey, we're not going to do anything really except for these few things such that we we kind of build into a body, a DNA of uh, intimacy with God, um, finding intimacy in your daily routine and finding intimacy in places that's not necessarily specifically a church building, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a, a refurbished basement, which is where we were mm-hmm. uh, uh, sharing space, or whether it's the YMCA where we're at now. Um, we want to kind of challenge the idea of 
just being good people, being moral people, um, and really saying, hey, we, God's called you to be a gospel-oriented person, and gospel people um, are transformational people. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers a little bit. No, that's, that's good. And, again, let's talk just a little bit as, a, as we lead into the idea of reintroducing a church to suffering. Um, I think you should know, listeners, if you're not familiar with the Springfield area, um, there, it is, <laughs> yay, we're the saddest city in America. Uh, well, there, there's a lot of depression around here. There's a lot of uh, people that are out of jobs. You can just go to downtown um, where Dave's you know, church community has specifically set themselves, and you can see that there's a lot of buildings that are empty and kind of, I don't know, rotting around themselves is a good way to put it. But some of them are just, you know, their buildings are not being used. Let's put it right. that way. And you see a lot of uh, businesses struggle down there. Um, they, there's quite a few homeless, actually, in the area yeah. that you see, and they'll come into places like the library because it's warm in the winter or cool in the summer. Um, there's a lot of uh, hurting and broken people, and, and I I think it's very important that the church realize that it needs to locate itself among places like that, too. Yeah, I mean, that really drives, again, back to the theology of the city. The city tends to be the epicenter from which uh, culture uh, disseminates to out to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And so what we have in the suburbs, honestly, is a lot of result of a lot of planning that happened earlier on in history in the city. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the advantages to a city is that a lot of the people who would be ostracized in the suburbs, suburbs lend themselves to families, stability, middle mm-hmm. class. Uh, so people not in that demographic, specifically homeless people, singles, young college graduates, the city has uh, things in it that lend itself to make life a little bit more equal and accessible to those people, mm-hmm. such as transportation. Um, it, it's more common ground there. So you can have the homeless person, the college graduate, the mm-hmm. starving artist, mm-hmm. and the uh, you know business guy all in the same place sure. in that area. So we want to go to that epicenter and mm-hmm. see that happen. And so, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, now, and, and you had said one thing you wanted to talk about was, was reintroducing your church to suffering mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and I, <laughs> long sermons yeah <laughs> no, no, just, just listen to dave preach yeah. sometime you'll be introduced to suffering no exactly by the way let me let me mention this i'm gonna make a little joke at the expense of our friend daniel die and he occasionally yeah. he's been a guest on the show and he has listened from time to time uh one night a while back on a wednesday evening i i went to be a part of your service and was sitting with my friend daniel and almost every concert I've been to of Daniel's, his uh, his child has been there and has just started screaming and oh. crying. And the night I was there, it was during your sermon, and they had taken uh, their child back to the nursery, and it sounded like that somebody was just torturing this kid. It was just like, yeah. like through the wall. And I remember you even stopped and went, whew. <laughs> Like at one point. So let me ask you, uh, the expense of poking fun at Daniel and his family a little mm-hmm. bit, is that an every week occurrence? Or is it just when you start preaching? The, it's, you know, it's, the... Man, I hate to do this, Daniel. <laughs> it, it's a lot better. It's a lot, it's a lot better. <laughs> well, I, if, for those of you who... He jokes heard... about it in concert, right. actually. Yeah, yeah. okay, so good. He, yeah. He... Yeah, no. It's... Yeah. <laughs> 
So you're not actively torturing children no, in the we nursery. No, we don't torture okay. children. I just wanted to make sure. Just that. adults. Um, <laughs> Speaking of suffering, I thought that would be right, a, a no. nice little segue into that. No. <laughs> Daniel, if you're listening, we love you. It's just funny. He, he always jokes about it because somewhere about midway through his concerts, if his whole family's there, you start hearing her crying, and he goes, well, somebody shut that kid up. And he goes, oh, it's mine. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's anyway, funny. but let's talk about suffering again and, and introducing uh, suffering into. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not saying you you need to create environments that uh, produce suffering in 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 your church. Uh, I do think you need to create environments that produce risk, and along with risk uh, comes uh, the possibility of uh, things not turning out the way that you think they should, and which honestly reflects life. I think if there's a general critique of Christian culture. Um, it's that uh, we tend to to try to see the world um, outside of the lens of suffering. Um, maybe we have music that tends to be too, too um, pie in the sky, kind of, or maybe our paintings don't have any darkness at all. It's just really bright light, and so you have this image of, uh, of a world where everything's happy, and you know, if you just accept Jesus as your savior. It's, it's great. And then you look at the Bible, and that's not the case at all. I mean, every person in Scripture who put their faith and hope and trust in Christ went through pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just read a quote last night um, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and people quote him all the time. But he said, uh, Christianity isn't summed up in a religious act. It's summed up in sharing in the suffering of our Lord in a secular uh, culture, and um, basically saying that people need to see a hope and a light, and that hope and a light uh, is presented to our world in a background, uh, against a dark background, which is um, the reality of, of life and a fallen fallen world. Hmm. Um, and so we as people don't come along and say, hey, accept Jesus as your Savior, um, come to know him, and suffering disappears, but rather hey, life is tough, there is evil, there is sin, but we have a God who not only uh, loves us and uh, is all-powerful, but has literally entered into human suffering Hmm. and has experienced human suffering and loves us so much that he would take that on upon himself. And so while it may not be like, hey, uh, you know, um, can God do anything about this? And no, he can't, he just doesn't. It's it's not a question of... um, whether or not uh, why God allows suffering. Um, I don't know if I have a 100% answer for that, but I do know that he understands it enough because he went and endured it, so he, he took the suffering. So I'm, you always have to be pounding. It's, if you only speak in your church to unbelievers, uh, they will believe that you're trying to get them to come in and become like you. Mm-hmm. You have to speak the gospel. Uh, evangelism is... Uh, the gospel to unbelievers. Discipleship is the gospel to believers. And you have to speak the gospel, uh, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that's suffering at the heart to both. And so presenting that to the church so that they understand um, that, hey, if we're going to really walk this road, we're going to have to enter into suffering like Christ did. Mm-hmm. And we will endure suffering. Yeah. Um, that's and that's a a difficult task to do. I mean, it's difficult to. Rich Mullins said it best in one of his songs. It's hard to be like Jesus, and uh, yeah, it is. yeah, and that's that's really uh, a truth that we live out of. Well, I wanna I wanna ask you something that 
Um, it's actually not has anything to do necessarily with the talking points you oh, sent me. That's great. But just something that I thought might lead into our discussion as we're talking about this. Uh, are you are you familiar with Ian Morgan Cron? Um, no. He, he has a book out right now, which listeners, I need to recommend this to you. Ian was a guest on uh, the podcast a few weeks ago when I was in Nashville at the Creative Conference. And uh, he has a book right now called Jesus, My Father, the CIA, and Me. Oh, I've heard the title. Yeah, and then the book that I'm almost finished with right now is called Chasing Francis, which is a, a narrative, which is a really excellent story. But he travels around with people like Richard Rohr and, and you know, does retreats and things like that. And we had this discussion um, not on the podcast but just in spending some time with him. Um, and it made me think of this when when I was talking. We were talking about the city and and the depression and the suffering that's there and our call to suffering. And I hear a lot about brokenness. Mm-hmm. And it seems, even in um, I guess popular worship songs of the day, there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot about being broken and and coming into a place of brokenness. And he said something very interesting. Uh, he says. And I'm, I think I'm quoting him directly. I wrote it down after the fact. I was trying to remember the quote as closely as I could. But he said, when you meet your beauty, it's scary because you have to cultivate that and let it grow. You don't have to grow and cultivate brokenness. In other words, we can't stay in brokenness because one, God wants to bring beauty from the ashes. And... Um, I hadn't really thought of that in that way before. When you, when and and he said beauty is a scary thing when we meet it. When God reveals to us our true beauty of who we are, and he, and and that He can show us that in our broken places, mm-hmm. says. But we don't cultivate brokenness. We cultivate beauty, and yeah. and, and it doesn't allow us to stay where we are in our brokenness. Yeah. It actually we have to cultivate that. And so, um, I, I was just interested what your response is to. Uh, something like that because you just mentioned discipleship and i think i think it's important we do realize our brokenness but do you think sometimes that can be an excuse to stay where we are too yeah i mean uh, that's a temptation of anything right for mm-hmm. uh, an idol is anything good that becomes god or something that becomes the ultimate thing mm-hmm. you know and so um sure you know brokenness can become more or less an excuse because uh, we don't want to progress uh y- I think if you stay there, you've really not seen the cross and the gospel um, as God presents it in its entirety because mm. in the cross, man, it's got both. It's got brokenness, 100%, but it has 100% beauty, too, mm-hmm. because Christ is the ultimate measure right. of beauty. And so I think to really... That is the that is the, that is the wonderful thing about the gospel is mm-hmm. that it enters into your brokenness, and so mm-hmm. you can say, "Man, I've, I've, I've been abused by people. I've had people's words hurt and cut deep." And we can look at the cross and say, "Man, Christ was hurt and cut deep, uh, not just because of the sinfulness of man, but because of the sinfulness of me." Mm-hmm. Um, so He knows that we, we don't have a high priest who's not acquainted with our weaknesses, like Hebrews says. Um, but then at the same time, it's beautiful love. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it will call you further uh, out of brokenness mm-hmm. um, into uh, what John you know, calls uh, sons and daughters of mm-hmm. him, not born of the will of man or of flesh, but born mm-hmm. of God. And so, yeah, I think he's, he's right on in saying that, hey, it's not like we go out and um, you know, 
try to practice uh, self-abasement or mm-hmm. uh, asceticism to try to reach the spiritual plateau. Right. But rather, we need to at least start and recognize that, hey, mm-hmm. we do live in an imperfect world. It is fallen, mm-hmm. and uh, that light things shine best when they're uh, put right against the darkness. Right. And so um, I think we do a disservice to the gospel often by saying, um, let's get rid of the darkness. Let's kind of hide it. Let's sweep it under mm-hmm. the rug. Let's put it back there. Uh, in fact, beauty is seen mm-hmm. um, when you, you just hold it up. I mean, Christ says, sure. if, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. And, right. And, and, uh, you know. Well, and, and, you know, even looking at the story in the entirety, we, we humans tend to want to just focus on one part of the Christ story. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we only focus on his life and earthly ministry. Sometimes we only focus on the cross, um, and then there's we we forget sometimes that the fullness of the story is his life and ministry, his suffering, his death, but then the hope of resurrection, right. and then yeah. and I and I think that's a, a yeah. wonderful way to look at it that yeah. God finds us in our suffering. It's important to realize that we are broken. It's important to realize that we are people who do suffer. Um, but that that suffering is not the is not God, and right. it's not the end of all things. That there is the hope of resurrection, there is a life, and there is beauty that can be brought from this suffering. And one of my favorite songs um, had had Sarah Groves on here a few weeks ago, and she wrote this song with Paul Belash that you have been so good to me. I came here broken, you made me whole. For you have been so good. You know, yeah. I I just love that. The second verse says, I came here mourning, and you brought me joy. You know, it's just a, a beautiful way of just describing, I think, the gospel in its fullness, you know. And well, and that's something that, that the, the world hasn't seen, right? I right. mean, it's, uh, wait, how, how can you, out of suffering, have hope and resurrection? Because mm. the only thing we often see is just suffering that leads to despair. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and only with God can suffering lead to hope, which you, is a wonderful thing. I, I've, so. You had Sarah Groves on here? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, not too long ago, she was a really, really cool guest to have. Um, well, we're uh, sorry for my mumbling. I'm checking out the time, no, just trying to make sure I don't go too far into this. I'm long-winded. Me, so. No, that's all right. Um, let me ask one last question, and it's maybe more of a thought than a question. I'm not sure, but I know that prayer has to play a part in this, and in times of silence. And Ian Cron, who I just mentioned a minute ago, um, he said that he's talking about uh, the importance of learning to spend time in silence and the importance of of uh, blocking things out to to actually listen. Because he says in the moments of silence, silence is the the thing that we have that is most like God, and that's where God speaks to us. And he quoted Mother Teresa. But he said this. He said. It's the kids on the shallow end of the pool that make the most noise. And uh, I, I really liked that quote. And um, and he actually said the, the word noise, and I did a little research to make sure it was true. I, not that I didn't believe him. I just tried to make sure. But he said the word noise can actually be traced back. And there's my dog barking upstairs. I don't know if you can hear it on the mic. But speaking of noise, the word noise can be traced back to the Latin word nausea. And uh, it's just interesting to me, you know, the kids on the shallow end of the pool are the ones making all the noise. Mm-hmm. And uh, so t- can you tell me a little bit, I'm, I'm certain prayer has to play into this whole thing, especially when you're working 
in the downtown, in the suffering, and, and ministry itself should always revolve around prayer, but it doesn't always revolve around that. It should, but it doesn't. Right. Can you specifically tell us how prayer has been a, a part for this particular journey with you and Soma? Yeah, um, the thing that really changed that for me, two books, one is um, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Mm-hmm. That really changed the way that I looked at some of this stuff. Um, and then also, um, man, I just blanked. <laughs> I totally forgot. It's forget it. You can edit this out. It's, <laughs> it's A.W. Tozer, man, and I can't remember. It's not the holiness of God, um, but it's his other one that's that's huge. And um, in it, he says God is always speaking, and that's the crazy thing. And I, mm-hmm. I love it because he says uh, we always mistake uh, the voice of God something else if we're too busy but if we just stop and listen we, we recognize it and mm-hmm. um and so for me uh you know as a minister the temptation is always to do it in your own strength um you either want to seek the approval of man or um ambition drives you so um if you don't find time to get away and to pray um then your motives are kind of slowly corrupted and so prayer for me serves as a, primarily as Man, it's it's really easy to get distracted and just talk about ministry stuff with God, mm-hmm. but you have to, like I have to, uh, find time where I can hear Him talking to my heart, asking me questions about my motives, and for me, practically, that looks like uh, someone early on said you need to find a time a day, one time a week, one time a month, one time a year, and so if it's ten minutes in a day, I need to get away. I mean, even if it's things are busy I just even if to go to a car sometimes mm-hmm. I just shut the car door turn mm-hmm. everything off not go into a meeting yet um, and spend some time um, that's not the entirety always but you know, mm-hmm. I mean that's that's kind of that's just the thing that I'm trying to incorporate um, and then you know once a week finding some time once once a month getting a day and then and typically uh, this this year I haven't done it yet uh, this mm-hmm. year I want to take a weekend and just go lock myself away somewhere mm-hmm. um, but as a young guy I'm, I'm 30 uh, which some people say is young uh, <laughs> but that's probably been a, a, an area of weakness for me is self-reliance mm-hmm. and you know all this energy and all this let's go and go and yeah. have these great ideas and, and man you don't <laughs> and yeah. uh, you're not able to heal anything it's, mm. it's only Christ. And so for me, prayer uh, is essential. It's vital. Um, mm-hmm. Not just praying alone with God, but inviting others to pray with you too. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just recently moved to the YMCA, and that was something where we were moving from uh, a situation where we have a setup every, or we have we have everything set up for us every week. So we just walk in and, you know, we can have a gathering. Mm-hmm to a, a situation where we're like, okay, we're going to go in and set up and do all this stuff every week where we're, we're energy and time and volunteers and effort. And it's like, do we want to do this? Do we not want to do this? Mm-hmm. It seems counterintuitive. What do we do? And that whole process, I just learned the value of prayer in yeah. that, of the church body, not just an individual. So, mm-hmm. Good. Well, good to hear. Uh, as we close out today, uh, any contact information that you would like listeners to have about you if they have any questions or maybe even your church website? 
Sure, if you have any questions or scathing comments, <laughs> uh, you can send them to Dave at DiscoverSoma, uh, S-O-M-A, dot org. Um, or you can check out us, our website at www.discoversoma.org. And yeah, that's it. All right. Well, Dave Black, thank you for being one of the voices in my head on this podcast today. I appreciate you being here and uh, look forward to hearing what God's going to be doing in the future. Yeah, this was fun. And uh, thanks for inviting me over. You are welcome. So thanks a lot. that was Pastor David Black, and uh, he was a great guest. I appreciate him being on the show today. We've got some other great episodes coming up. Hey, if you're enjoying uh, Voices in My Head, I, I forgot the name of my podcast for a second. If you're enjoying Voices in My Head, please go to iTunes and leave a review. It really is important. The more reviews we get, the more visibility we get on iTunes, uh, especially since this is a free podcast. Uh, it literally is like 60 seconds of your life. You can go there. If you have an iTunes account, sign in. Um, and and then just write your review on my page and leave it right on there. Um, especially if you're getting this for free and you're not donating anything, um, help me out with some visibility. I really appreciate it. The podcast is growing. We're able to get more and more guests. I've got some more great guests coming up in the future, uh, and I really want this to be something worthwhile and hopefully something that can be used and even challenge us in our thinking and and help us out a lot it just in engagement with other people um, as a, a podcast and it can be used as a great tool I think and I want it to be used as such so if you could go to iTunes um, I'm not going to beg you maybe I'll beg you next episode but uh, I appreciate the reviews that we have gotten and we need lots more because the more we get like I said we can actually get into iTunes uh, pages up with some other of the bigger podcasts that are out there and just helps get the name out. Uh, remember to pick up the July issue of Worship Leader Magazine if you don't already currently receive that. I have an article in there that I wrote, and there's going to be a little bit about the podcast in there as well, which is a, a huge deal. They're going to be giving that issue away at the National Worship Leader uh, Convention that's coming up here in just a few short weeks. Thank you again for listening to Voices in My Head. I love you guys. I really appreciate your support. Please pray for me in the next coming days. Um, I want to have wisdom in how I do these interviews and the guests that I can get to come on the show. Uh, we've had some great ones in the past, and we have some great ones coming down in the future. And I'm really excited. Don't forget to send your songs in if you're a songwriter to rljames29 at yahoo.com. Uh, if you're listening to this and it's it's like the weekend of, what is that, the 9th or 10th, send them in right away because I'm not going to be able to take them much longer. I have to get them to Cindy in time uh, for both of us to have a copy of it, and we're going to do the critique uh, right on the show if all goes as planned. So sorry, I've gone long again. Thank you for your prayers and your support, and got some other big exciting news coming up in the future next week, Father's Day, with my father, Randy James. God bless. Thank you for listening again. Voices in My Head, episode 23. I don't know why I'm talking like this. I think I'm turning into William Captain Kirk Shatner. Bye. Get a life. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. 
You can also download my free mobile app from iTunes and on the Android Marketplace. And I'd love this to be a community experience, so if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.